Hej och välkomna till ett nytt program av Tullpodden som är en podd för dig som vill veta mer om aktuella frågor inom tullområdet. Tullpodden görs av tullkonsultföretaget Ekus i samarbete med kommunikationsbyrån Ydernas Communications. Och jag sitter här i vår tillfälliga studio på Svenska Handelskammaren i London tillsammans med Tullpoddens expert Peter Jakobsson. Tack så mycket Rickard. Och med oss i studion har vi också Chloe Harris och Emma Brownlee från e-handelsföretaget WN Direct. Så nu går vi över till engelska. Welcome to Tullpodden, Chloe and Emma. Thank you. Thank you. Hello. We will in this program discuss e-commerce and the effects of Brexit. Could you please explain and describe what you do at WN Direct? Uh, sure. So WN Direct is a, a logistics company that's set up primarily to help e-commerce retailers ship their parcels overseas. And my role within that is to look after all the network and the partners that we work with in order to get our our, our goods sent from many destinations, but primarily UK and into all of our de- global destinations around the world. And it's busy times now with Brexit. It's <laughs> very busy times, very complicated times as well. And you work with uh, e-commerce and cross-border delivery for yes. retailers? Yes, so we have uh, some C2C traffic uh, like your Ebays, um, but it's primarily B2C, um, a lot of clothing, apparel companies um, and and people specialising in, in e-commerce. How will your business be affected by Brexit? So our business is going to be hugely impacted by Brexit. We have not only a lot of retailers shipping out of the UK, uh, but also customers overseas in America shipping into Europe. And we've been traditionally using uh, the UK as a gateway for that. So we've been bringing the US goods into the UK and then dispersing them out through Europe, which we'll no longer be able to do because of the duty and the tax implication. Um, but in terms of our ex-UK traffic, we're having to completely redesign our network um, and how we operate uh, primarily again because of all the duties and the taxes and understanding all the customs implications. We're basically having to start from scratch and rework everything from the beginning. Yeah. So we know how to do it. We we do cross-border from the UK to the rest of the world. We have... Um, Uh, we have good suppliers that help us, customs brokers. Um, so it's really just about redefining the way our EU routing works. Um, but there are a lot of moving pieces and a lot of uncertainty. So, I mean, one of the hardest things for us is a we've got quite a complex suite of products with um, retailer paid options, consumer paid options. Um, we might do collections from many different um, retailers throughout Europe and the UK um, and we're having to essentially strip everything back to the beginning and say well what will it look like but we're not quite sure when it's going to look like that we're not quite sure exactly how it's going to look so it's all it's um, it's been a very big change program for us. How do you handle all this uncertainty it was supposed to be 29th of March that was supposed to be a Brexit day but now it's postponed and we don't really know when it will happen. We've we've always worked on a worst case scenario basis. Um, It's just that the worst case scenario date has changed. Um, We've had to take some assumptions. We've had to look at service offering and say, well, you know, for a period of time, you know, the service is is just 
getting the parcels moving, making sure that things still move rather than optimising the service. And that's very difficult for us because we've spent the last three years fine-tuning our service and making it excellent. And now we're having to say what's almost what's the bare minimum. Um, so we've made clear assumptions. We've communicated that to our clients. Um, and, and we're hoping still that we'll have time to get the service up to scratch again. And I think what we're also seeing um, is a word that I'm referring to as hedging. There's a lot of hedging going on. So customers are saying, for example... If Brexit doesn't go ahead, I'll keep my warehousing in the UK. If Brexit does go ahead, I'll get my backup warehouse ready in Germany. Um, can you quote me for all my traffic out of the UK? Can you quote me for all my traffic out of Germany? And they're all sitting waiting with one foot in both camps, knowing when to push that button and when to say, yes, I'm going to move all my stock over to Germany. And we're seeing a lot of customers just waiting and not, not being sure what to do and when to do it. And it, it is very frustrating for a lot of people. It's the same for you at Ecos, Peter? We, we don't even know what's happening because, okay, we know the duty amount, that's the, the same in, into EU, but the VAT rules are different in, in, in the EU countries. So it's not one solution. It's one solution for each country almost. And, and that's caused a lot of problems. And it will also be, uh, of course, a cost for this. Yeah, even if uh, customs brokers are a very cheap business, so so, so in the end, someone has to pay for for this this customs clearance, and that always be the, the consu consumer in the end. Uh, so um, uh, it, it it's a cost, but it, we also are as a customs broker in the same with, with the same problem. We have to prepare, we have to prepare, but it could be nothing in the end. So so that's that's difficult for for all parties in in this business. Yes, I think we've seen, you know, across all parts of the supply chain, people having to make investment in racking in case things get held up and they have to be put into storage, um, investing in people to do all these projects, investing in customs clearance agents and, and people who have got that skill set, investing in courses and the amount of money that has been spent on this kind of across the company is colossal. Uh, and I think to that point, it's also what we've stopped doing to enable this to happen. So, you know, the developers having to pause on innovation, having to pause on new um, suppliers and improvements in order to put them all to work on integrations for customs that we wouldn't, we wouldn't probably do in five years time. You know, it, it's that amount of work condensed into a very short period of time. So, um, I think the shame of it is what we're not able to do in this in this period of time, what we're not able to progress as well. How do you handle uh, transports and logistics? It's, um, it's of course a big task to handle this when, in a Brexit scenario. Well, that, that is essentially our business. So we're um, a logistics-based company. We work with a lot of partners um, and who help us kind of get our goods overseas and then we will inject into a a local uh, net delivery network for the for the final mile so i think the focus has been quite interesting um with the brexit hat on um nobody's had to do any of these things before so trying to go out and find someone 
who even knows how to raise a T1, um, who knows how to raise it correctly, who knows what the process is and is able to do it at an affordable rate has been very difficult even finding finding that company. So um, that has taken months of, of work to kind of find someone who can work with us to be able to to kind of support us through that. The, the, the customs brokerage has been very very conservative and very very old fashioned. So, so working with new ID ID solutions and so on is is not all companies not doing that. We are, we are used in this business to handle PDF files and we print them manually, and the, and the cost for that is it's not. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, ridiculous. So we have to to integrate and, and work with with modern technology, and that takes time for for the business to set up. So if we knew this and had a period of six months or something to know this is what we have to do, of course we, we solve that. That shouldn't be any problem. But now we have we don't know from day to day what's happening, and that's that's a big issue. The uncertainty of what will really happen and when it will happen. What do you think will be the biggest effects of Brexit for your business? Um, I think we will see a geographical shift. Um, I don't think consumers overseas will continue to order from the UK when they have to start paying duty and tax. And actually a lot of our customers are saying because they have quite low value like sports goods and stuff like that, that they'll no longer be competitive when compared with their European counterparts. So they're expecting sales drop-offs. Um, and I think we sort of internally are expecting orders to be cancelled and duty amounts to be refused if the consumer's having to pay it because they're just not used to having to deal with that um, when they're shopping. They're just used to getting it straight away. Um, and so I think a lot of businesses, and we're already seeing, will move into Europe. And then do you want to have a business that's in Europe um, run by a company in the UK? You're going to have to move your workforce to where your operation is. That makes sense. So uh, for us, we've got you know, three, 400 people in the UK. Is that the right place to have them? We've had conversations about whether we need to open an office in Germany. Um, to have a, a central European location. So there's all those kind of questions that we've had to consider as part of this project. So there will be a fee for uh, duties and there will be a fee for VAT or VAT, you have to pay VAT. So that will increase the price of the yes. products. Yes. Do you know how much or is it different between different products? And, uh... um, we have ind indicative pricing um, and... We're, we're certainly advising our e-commerce retailers to look at trying to do a landed cost model or a, or a checkout model so it's all up front to the consumer. And I think, um, I think if I were in e-commerce, I'd be looking to try that because it takes the shock away when an item arrives in country and, and duties need to be paid. Um, and of course, the cost of bringing goods back. So that those elements, we're quite clear on the different cost factors. The, the hardest part for us is the rerouting and changing from our, our standard through the Eurotunnel to having to go via ferry, goods having to go through a physical um, customs broker, say in Denmark or the Netherlands, um, where we would not have had to do that. So if, if my customer's in Spain, it's a very different price to getting it to Spain. Um, and I think that's 
that's going to be the sting to the retailer and the e-commerce client that um, costs are going to go up just on the movement. And I, I think interestingly, what I've heard in the market, a lot of comments from retailers saying, oh, my, my shipping company is not putting the rates up. Um, but I would say, look look at where that clearance cost is sitting. And I think the model that a lot of um, companies are adopting, a lot of logistics companies, is that they're going to be charging the end consumer. And there's going to be a nasty sting in the tail when it arrives, because not only will there be the duties and the VATs, there'll probably be a hefty admin fee on top of that as well. So you start getting quite a high level of additional costs when you when you look at that model. Yeah, we have seen that in, in Sweden when we, in, uh, from for, uh, Mars 2018, uh, the Swedish customs authorities have to, to charge VAT from the first Swedish crown. And, and the, the, the e-commerce has gone down very much in, in Sweden because of that, because they have to pay, first of all, VAT. And if you buy something for 50 Swedish crowns, you have to pay 12.50 crowns in VAT, but you will also be charged 85 crowns for handling the customs declaration. And that's too expensive. So that's where you have to find a smarter way to do it. And, and to avoid all the returns and, and the shipment that's never been catched up by, by, by the consumer. I, I think you have to, the, the, the consumer must see in the checkout exactly as you said, Emma, will see exactly what's, what's, what do I have to pay and pay it in that, in that uh, moment. Yeah. yeah, and I think, you know, another problem that we've encountered is that a lot of companies aren't even set up to do this. Um, so throughout these discussions, I keep referring to Norway and saying, what do you do for Norway? Because people can't get their head around doing clearance for for Spain or for Germany. So I've been referencing Norway, and uh, but there's not that much e-commerce. It's a popular destination, but a lot of shipping companies don't go there as routine or that they just send B2B stuff there and they send it in as a, as a bulk entry. So even finding companies that are set up to do this in a, a systemic, um, efficient way is is really difficult because it's just not been necessary up until this point. And I think some customs brokers, maybe in the UK, haven't seen the opportunity there and haven't sort of um, embraced it. And, and I think um, to that end, it's going to be the SME market that really suffers. Um, I think, you know, our big clients that have been shipping to the US or China for a long time, they have the data, they have all the, um, you know, all of the HS codes within their product libraries. Um, they probably have some kind of duty at checkout functionality. Um, I think if you're selling through a marketplace, often you're covered by that. But for us, I think it's those middle size enterprises that are um, that are doing a lot into Europe and they're really, really going to be hit. Um, so we, we'll just see, hopefully the decline doesn't last. And of course it's a difference if it will be a soft Brexit or if it will be a hard Brexit. Uh, you will have more time to prepare if it, it's a soft Brexit. Then. Yeah, but again, I think we, we don't have any reassurance about transition periods or even grace, for us, grace periods in terms of... Um, tariffs or um, even GDPR, I think we're, we're quite clear that there will be 
um, some grace period, but nothing is nothing's been defined by the UK government. Uh, and even if we've had some reassurance, it has to be also ratified by uh, the European Union. So you know, we just feel in business very vulnerable to um, things happening very quickly and having to react very quickly to the unknown. Is the British government listening to your? We've been lobbying. Sorry, we've been lobbying um, through our um, our sort of holding groups for a long time. So we've had the ear of the government, um, but I think it feels like they're very caught up at the moment in the politics of it, and I think that's the frustration for business. That there's still political game playing, and um, as a, as a British citizen, that that's frustrating. But actually, as a business, whatever the outcome. You just need the certainty of um, of what it's going to impact you. Do you think the British uh, customs authority is prepared for Brexit? No, and I don't think a lot of businesses are either. I mean, um, we're just seeing now, two weeks away, retailers coming to us saying, "Right, what do we need to do for this project?" <laughs> and I'm saying, "You're two weeks away. If you're only just thinking about it now, you're too late." Uh, but Emma and I have held maybe four or five calls this week alone from people wanting to understand what they need to do. Um, and it, it's really too late. Um, so I think there is a there's a, a definite panic out there uh, the closer it gets. And, and limitations for us with things like Ireland that's very paper-based. So I think, you know, you asked about um, are customs ready. I think... <clears throat> I think they talk about being ready and I think they're clear on how HS code classification works, I think tariffs, but I think the um, the fear is that the capacity to do it is not there. I think particularly for us looking at Ireland and all the traffic we send to Ireland, there's a slightly different requirement there in terms of commercial invoicing and CN22s if we if we send it through a postal channel. And it's, it's very unclear to the retailer um, how that solution is actually going to work so what what i what are they asking their it team to actually implement um so we, we we've had several conversations this week with um you know very anxious customers saying what do i ask my it team to do well if you haven't got the data there now you you're going to be in trouble and i think as i said we're seeing quite big differences around europe too so not only are we speaking to UK-based companies, but we're speaking to clearance brokers and other parties in other countries. And, you know, the French have taken a a very matter-of-fact approach. We'll do this, we'll do nothing more. This is all we have the resource to do. Whereas in Holland, for example, they've taken quite an entrepreneurial approach and they're saying, yes, we can help you with that. Uh, we can do this. We can help you with duty drawback. Um, and I think they've, they've kind of seen that, that it's a good time to be... Um, in this kind of business if if you can uh, gain some additional traffic from it. So I think we're seeing very different approaches even on a country by country level. And of course there's always opportunity out of any anything that, that is change. Um, you know, there will be opportunities to do it well. And um, I think, I keep mentioning data, but I think it's critical that the, the data systems, the software um, and the integrations come up to up to speed. Um, but there is opportunity there as soon as we have that certainty. 
Do you agree, Peter? Do you see opportunity in Brexit? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm a little bit scared also. <laughs> yeah, but, but companies had good control of the master data with ATS codes, weights, and so on, and, and the, the values. I, I don't see any problems in, in, the, in a couple of months to have, the, have them up running. But for companies that doesn't have anything like that, that that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. Uh, a lot of small Swedish um, entrepreneurs work with e-commerce. How do you think they should prepare for Brexit? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a bigger <laughs> bigger issue uh, because in, in uh, regarding the import to EU, we have a legislation. We know what what demands are in in Scandinavia. We know in Germany and so on. Even if we have the same legislation, there are some different interpretation of, of the law. But we know what, what to handle. But when, when the business to consumer from, from uh, EU to, to UK, we don't know exactly how we should deliver. They, they have a new custom system, chiefs and so on. Is that working well and, and so on? So my best solution or suggest for, for those kind of companies, don't do any delivery deliveries the first week if we got a hard Brexit and send to UK because I think you will you will um, get into a lot of problems with, with goods on the borders and and yeah I think it will be a mess so be cool regarding send, <laughs> be cool regarding sending to yeah. to, to UK I, I think so was this your best advice yeah I'm sorry <laughs> no but 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 what what we say today is that uh, don't be paper-based. You, you need to create at, at least a flat file or something like that. So, so it's you can handle it by, by some kind of IT systems. That, that's that's what we, what we are trying to do, helping our biggest clients. And they understand that. But I think we have some small companies, not maybe e-commerce, but, but small other companies that will go into problems uh, with no invoices, maybe a pro forma and uh, invoice... What, what will happen with them. So, and I agree about this transition period and, and the soft customs deal or whatever, but I haven't seen that on paper yet. So that, that day I believe it. What is your best advice, Chloe? Oh, um, I think it's really about preparing for the worst. I think that's all, all you can do really. Um, as Peter said, do your research, understand from your, your partners, what they need. Um, one thing that we've just done, um, which I'm really pleased about, we did a, a practice run um, and we've done some some test uh, shipments through Europe and that's that's worked really well. So that gives us a, a feeling of confidence that even though we haven't got the documents going with the traffic, we know that the operational process flows work. So... It, it's very hard to give advice in this uh, in these uncertain times, but I think yeah, just trying to be prepared and trying to do your research and get as much information as you can from from people. Do you have something to add, Emma? I think mine is is the data. So considering every parcel or packet that you're shipping has a parcel or packet of data with it, and and if that if that is complete, that's your best hope for moving the parcel and the and it's data along um it, it it's the smoothest possible outcome if you know what's in your parcel what its value is how much the consumer has paid for it 
Um, and if you if you've got good product description and an HS code which you can look up or or get um, ACOS to help with, I think that's you know that's the best. Do you have a final moving. comment, Peter? No, even if we had to pay VAT from the first crown in Sweden, we also know that that will happen in, in the rest of EU at least 1st of January 2021. So you have to prepare for that. But, but I think for, for, for UK companies like yours, maybe a bonded warehouse could, could, could be a good solution to postpone to pay the, the duty at the, at the consumers. And, and so on. So I, I think there, there are solutions, but, but they cost money and who should pay for the money. So, so I think there will be maybe one A, one a team and one B team in, in this. So I think it will be a tough competition about that. And uh, hopefully I think the A team will, will win that has high demands on their customer to create good data. Preparedness and good data. That's the final word. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much no for uh, have, for being in the program. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tullpodden. Goodbye.